Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. But really, he, and when he's doing this, he's looking forward to beyond Canaan, beyond Canaan to heaven. He's got, his, he's got his sight fixed and his thoughts fixed on heaven, eternal rest. Now, this is where I found the verse. It's in Hebrews 11.22. Hebrews 11.22, when it says, By faith Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. This is what you were saying, is that he is now gathering all his children together and he's commanding them, Now you follow me. I am your leader. He, and this is why he was saying he made mention of the departing of the children of Israel in Hebrews eleven twenty two. He was he said, "Look, my bones are one thing, but what I'm doing by these bones is I am now telling you that you all are going to leave. You all are going to leave. So this this firm decision to be buried in 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 in, in Canaan, he's reminding his descendants, you're going to leave Egypt, you're going to leave. And this was the main reason why Jacob gave this commandment." for his bones to be buried in Canaan. And, and even as he's dying, he's leading his family. For the, and he's leading his family. Look for your opportunity to leave Egypt. Actually, it wasn't going to be much of a choice that we're going to be chased out, but he didn't know that. And return to Canaan. Ever the leader leading his family in his death to leave Egypt, to leave Egypt. Now, we see Jacob telling his family, buy this. So you're going to leave. Don't love Egypt. That's what he's saying. Because we understand that, that if, if Jacob was, was there at that, well, he was there. But if Jacob, anyway, he could have said these words to them. First John 2, 1 John 2, 15. He could, have, he could have looked at it as he died. He could have said, you know, carry my bones, bury them there. Why? Because love not the world, 1 John 2, 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Love not Egypt, neither the things that are in Egypt. If any man love the world, if any man love Egypt, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, all that's in Egypt, is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It's not of the Father. It's not of the Father, but it's of the, it's of the world. It's of Egypt. The world passes away, and Egypt is going to pass away. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. He could have said that. He could have, he could have looked at his sons and said to them, be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to Egypt. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12.2, Romans 12.2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is the reason why Jacob was having his bones for sure to get buried in in Canaan. And because God's going to lead them out. And they needed to be ready to go. They needed to be ready to go. Now, that's the same reason why Joseph, in the next chapter, 
why Joseph wanted his bones to be buried in Canaan. So the last few verses of the book, of the next chapter, Genesis 50, verse 24, Genesis 50, verse 24, Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which you swear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph, not Jacob now, Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him. He was put in a coffin in Egypt, but he was buried in Canaan. Okay, in essence, both Jacob and Joseph were saying by making these very firm prior arrangements that their bones were gonna be buried in Egypt is that they were saying that God is gonna lead you out of Egypt and, and you need to be ready to go. You just need to be ready to go. The fact that the last verses in the book of Genesis are Joseph telling the children of Israel that they needed to be ready to go when God led them out is a strong statement. It's a strong statement for us. We need to live our lives that we are ready to go, ready to go to heaven at any moment. Like the Lord said in Matthew 24, 42. Matthew 24, 42, he said, watch therefore, be ye, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched. He would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such a time as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. So this is what Jacob and Joseph are doing here. They're saying, be ye also ready. Be ye also ready. Ready to leave. Now, it happened to have been 400 years later that they left Egypt, but they were challenged to live a life all the time so that they're ready at any moment to leave. And Jacob lived his life as ready to go. Like you can see in verse 18 of this chapter when he says, Genesis 49, 18, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. Well, it was 400 years later, but they did come out and he was saying, just be ready. We're in the same situation today. We're in the same situation today. We read the New Testament and we read, we read things like uh, in, in James 5.8, James 5.8, be also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. We read that. And then we read Hebrews 10.37, Hebrews 10.37, yet a little while and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Well, those things were written 2,000 years ago. You know, it's like, it's the 2,000 years. And, and 2,000 years ago, they were saying, the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And, and, and coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And, and, and get ready, get ready. You know, that, that was the hallmark. That was a hallmark in Pastor Jim's life. He was always looking for the coming of the Lord. Remember one time they did a video here. He was standing in that, that door out there. And, and they said, you know, Pastor Jim, what do you have to say? And he said, the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. <laughs> that was the way he was. So, so the reason it's so important to live like that, live being ready to go, looking toward heaven, is because of what it says about all the people who died in faith in Hebrews 11.13. Hebrews 11.13 says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And that was actually the statement that Jacob and Joseph were making by having, they that have their bones buried in Canaan are, 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 are saying plainly that they seek another country that's better than Egypt. Okay, truly if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, 
They might have had opportunity to have returned, but now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. He's prepared for them a city. Look, so by having the promise of going to heaven and being ready to go at any moment, it's an insulation. It's an insulation. It insulates us from what? From the lures of the, the, of the world. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, so forth, lust of the eyes. Now, Jacob now gives a, 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 a description uh, to uh, make sure you get the right cave. So what he's doing now in these next verses is it's like Jacob is using Google Maps and, and he's zooming in and he's zooming out and he's zooming in so they bury the right cave. So first in verse 29, he says, you know, he comes right in there. He says, it, it, it's a field of Ephron the Hittite. So when you go there with Jacob's bones, he's actually kind of saying this. When you go there with Jacob's bones, go there and say, where's Ephron the Hittite? Right? Hopefully he's still there. You know, find his field. And then, Jacob, and then Jacob zooms out and he tells them, the place is Machpelah. And he explains that it's just before Mamre. And, and then he zooms way out and he says, it's in the land of Canaan. You know, don't go that way, go that way. And uh, as if to tell them, you know, make the right turn. Now he explains to them that Abraham bought this cave uh, uh, along the field in front of the, and, and also the field there is there. And so don't let them tell you that you can't. No, you tell them Abraham bought it. And don't let them tell you that you can't walk across the field because you didn't buy that because he bought that too. So think about this. If, you know, it's way out there in Canaan, someplace, you know, in Canaan, no guards. So if Jacob and Joseph had been buried in Egypt as the custom would have been, they would have been buried with a lot of valuable things, you know, like we're finding now from excavating the, the pyramid tombs in Egypt, the tombs in Egypt. You know, they would have been buried with a lot of gold and jewels. That's the custom of the Egyptians. But since they're going to be buried in an unguarded cave, any, any wealth in that cave would have been stolen. So we can imagine that they were buried with really no valuables in the tomb. And that was all right for them because what they were saying by all this is, you know, my treasure is waiting for me somewhere beyond the blue. Right? And so Jacob speaks of this uh, cave in, in verse 30 as the possession of a burying place. Now, he said that because the, his son should know that it's not going to be a favor you know, uh, that Jacob was looking for from the Hittites. It was a possession. It was a right. It was bought fair and square. And that was, by the way, the only piece of land that Abraham bought, he ever owned. That was the only piece of land that Abraham ever owned on earth. It was a burying place. And, and uh, because Abraham said, look, you know, uh, this is a temporary place down here for me, uh, earth. I'm going to heaven. And so he saw no reason to, 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 have, to own any land except for what he and his family were going to leave behind, which was their corpses. That was okay. So now we see how Abraham is described in the cave, which is interesting, in verse 31, when it says, there they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried Leah. So how are both Sarah and Rebekah described in verse 31? Say it. His wife, his wife, okay. His wife, Abraham and Sarah, his wife. Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. So Sarah is described as Abraham's wife. But did Abraham have another wife? Genesis 16.3, Genesis 16.3. Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her mate, the Egyptian, and Abraham had dwelt 
the 10 years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband and Abram to be his wife. So, so, so Hagar is called his wife, okay. So Abra- Abraham had more than one wife, afraid so. But only Sarah is identified as his wife. Now, did Jacob, and now we know, of course, that uh, Isaac was unusual. He really did only have one wife, okay. But did Jacob have more than one wife? Really afraidly so, right? <laughs> yeah, he had Leah, he had Rachel, he had Bilhah, he had Zilpah. You know, it says about uh, uh, Rachel in, in Genesis twenty nine twenty eight, Genesis twenty nine twenty eight, and, and uh, it says Laban he gave him Rachel his daughter to wife. Also, it says in Genesis thirty verse four, Genesis thirty verse four, she gave him Bilhah her handmaid to wife. And it says in Genesis thirty verse nine. Leah saw that she had left bearing. She took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her Jacob to wife. So yeah, Jacob's got four wives. So in verse 31, even though Abraham had another wife, only Sarah is identified as Abraham's wife. And Abraham is laid to rest next to his wife, Sarah, not Hagar. Otherwise, there might have been some fight in the cave. I don't know. And then Rebekah is identified as Isaac's wife, and and. Isaac is laid to rest next to his wife, Rebecca. Then, and then Leah is mentioned. And so therefore, the way this whole construct is gone, Leah is implied to be Jacob's wife. And Jacob's going to be laid next to his wife, Leah. Which is interesting, because it indicates that was his first wife, Leah. Now you can say, oh, that was Laban's fault. Well, that was God's allowance. So it, to me, it indicates that God's original choice for Jacob to be his wife was Leah. And Rachel is not buried in this cave because Rachel was never God's choice for Jacob to be his wife. Actually, Jacob stubbornly pushed to have Jacob for his wife. And when Jacob brought Rachel into his home to be his wife, Jacob brought into his home Rachel's bitterness. And when Jacob brought Rachel into his home to be his wife, Jacob brought into his home Rachel's idea for Jacob to have multiple wives beyond just those two. And when Jacob brought Rachel into his home to be his wife, Jacob brought into his home idolatry. And yet, God let Jacob push to have Rachel come into his home, and God allowed Jacob to have all those problems that Rachel brought with her. Why? So that God would teach Jacob God's way is the best way. You know, and the same is true for us. God has his choices for our, in our lives, in all the areas, not just who, sh- who we should marry. And, but if we push and we persist and say to God, no, I want what I want. I don't want what you want. She's, she's got bad eyes. She's ugly. You know, it would take that position then God will say, fine, I'm not going to stop you. And, and God will allow us to have our choices, but we're going to suffer the consequences as Jacob did. And in the end, we're going to see that God's choices were the best choices for our lives. Just like the, 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 the song says, would you, have, would you have him make you free and follow his call? Would you know the peace that comes by giving all? Would you have him save you so, so that you need never fall? Let him have his way with you. Let him, with thee. Let him have his way with thee. All right, now, 
We're coming now to Jacob's departure from earth, where we read in this last verse here, when Jacob made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed, and he yielded up the ghost and was gathered to his people. Okay, so this is the time has come part of uh, in Jacob. I mean, Jacob's life has been a life of struggles. It's just struggles. I mean, we've been studying it. We've been watching it. We watched Jacob. He's born. He's struggling when he's born. He's got his hand on his brother's heel. He's trying to struggling. The baby is, is struggling. And then we watch Jacob as he struggled with his father for his father's attention. Why should this other one be the, the favorite? And we watch Jacob struggle with his brother for his birthright and his blessing. And then we watch Str- Jacob struggle with Laban to get Rachel. We watch Jacob struggle with Rachel as she accuses him uh, as the reason for why they had no children. And then we watch uh, Jacob struggle with his sons over the murder of the Shechemites and what happened to Joseph. And then we watch, we watch Jacob in the, his ultimate struggle with God where his hip was put out of joint and God says, this name is, can't stay. We need another name. Israel. And then we watch Jacob's life has just been one struggle after another. And, and with all those struggles that we see him there, we can see a lesson for us because our lives are a life of struggles. And, and the great struggle that we're talking about here is said in 1 Timothy 1.18, 1 Timothy 1.18, that thou mightest war a good warfare. That's a struggle. And in 2 Corinthians 10.4, 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And then in, 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 in Ephesians 6.11, Ephesians 6.11, put on the whole armor of God. Yeah. Why? Just to look nice? No, so he could fight. And in 1 Corinthians 9.26, 1 Corinthians 9.26, Paul says, so fight I. And, and then when he turns to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6.12, 1 Timothy 6.12, he says, fight the good fight of faith. And then he's finished up in 2 Timothy 4.6, 2 Timothy 4.6, and Paul said, I fought a good fight. Faith, fight the good fight of faith. Faith is a fight. It's a fight. It's a good fight. And in Hebrews 11, as we're mentioning here, this faith chapter in the Bible, you look at all these acts that were done there where it says, by faith, by faith, by faith. It was all a fight. It was all a fight. It was a struggle. You don't read of anybody saying, by faith, he floated into heaven. <laughs> that's, not, that's not there. It's all by faith. They fought against doubt. They fought against doubt. Abel fought against doubt in Hebrews 11, 4, 11, 4, 11, 4. Hebrews 11, 4. He fought against doubt to kill the animals and offer the more excellent sacrifice. Noah, in Hebrews eleven seven. Hebrews 11, 7, he fought against doubt in building that ark. Abraham, in verse 8, Hebrews 11, 8, he fought against doubt to leave Ur of the Chaldees. In Hebrews 11, 7, 11, 7, Abraham fought against doubt. Should I really offer up Isaac? Moses, as we talked about, Hebrews eleven twenty four, he fought against doubt. Should I really turn this down? I mean, I'm in line to become Pharaoh, to suffer affliction with the people of God. And the whole Passover... The whole Passover event in verse 28, Hebrews 11, 28. They were fighting against doubt for three days in this process and then the killing of the lamb and putting the blood on the doorposts. And then, and then in verse 29, Hebrews eleven twenty nine, they fought against doubt. Should I really walk into that sea with those tremendous walls of water on either side? And then in verse 30, Hebrews eleven thirty, 30, they fought against doubt. I'm really gonna walk around this big, big fortress for, for seven days? And expect the walls to fall down. And Rahab, in verse 31, Hebrews eleven thirty-one, she fought against doubt. Should I really risk my life to hide the spies? 
And so finally, it summarizes everything in Hebrews 11, in verse 36 and 37, Hebrews 11, 36. It says, and you can see that when you look at that, you can say, these all, it says they all died in faith, but they all fought against doubt. And then it gives this list. They endured mockings and scourgings and imprisonments and stonings and being sawed in two and being killed with the sword and wanderings and being destitute and afflicted and tormented. They all had to fight the good fight of faith. That's what they all had to do there. And now Jacob has been doing this. And he's come now and he's fighting and he's, he's come to the end now. He's commanded his sons. He's really come to the place of a John 17, John 17, where he says, uh, John 17, 1, the hour is come. He's come to the hour is come. He finished his last job on earth. He's commanded his sons and he's getting ready to die. He's sitting in his bed because he sat up in his bed. And now he lies down in bed. He, and, and when he does that, he pulls his feet up into the bed. In verse 33, he gathered up his feet into the bed. And then we read what happened next. He yielded up the ghost in verse 33. Just like it says in Ecclesiastes 12.7. Ecclesiastes 12.7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return to God who gave it. This is what happened. And then we read next in verse 33, he was gathered unto his people. So, you know, we can see certain things. We can see Jacob there. We look at his feet and we can see them being gathered up into the bed. We saw that, no doubt about it. We can see him breathing out his last breath. We can see that, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But there's also no doubt about it that he was gathered to his people, even though we can't see it. So that's a wonderful finality of Jacob. It was a pretty rough road, but he made it. So, uh, and because he fought the good fight of faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what an encouragement to see Jacob finally, Lord, going home. Been rough for him in his life, but he made it. He made it because you brought him home and you helped him all along the way. Thank you, Lord, and, and may we follow in his steps. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, 
teaching, creation museum and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Get into the Christmas spirit this year with the Friendship with God Christmas album and hymnal book. With over 50 different arrangements on holiday classics, this four-disc set features solo vocalists, group ensembles, and classical piano tracks, and is perfect for road trips, family get-togethers, and holiday parties. In addition to the audio CDs, you'll also receive a copy of the largest hymnal ever published. Containing over a thousand hymns and melodies, this hardbound hymnal book and CD set make for a great gift this holiday season. Order this Christmas bundle today for just $29.99 online at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information, call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104. 